Way down, 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 Hello, hello, we're back again with a new episode of Art Mythos. African mythology told through art. We're your hosts, Solomon and Adra. Adra, Adra and, and Solomon. Solomon. <laughs> Whichever way you want to say it, really. And this is our first episode in the new year. New year, new me. We're talking better visuals, better audio quality, mm-hmm. better storytelling. Yep. We know what, what we're doing now, don't we? Yeah. Kind of. Kind of. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> So we hope you all had a great Christmas and an even greater start to 2022. Um, saying that, Solomon, what was the best present that you received? The best present I received was the present <clears throat> of love. <laughs> <clears throat> but really, <laughs> the best present we got, well, I got um, was yeah. a Secret Santa present from Andrew. Shout out. Ooh, shout out to Andrew. Um, it's this Wonderful Art Mythos black shirt. Look at it. Look at it. It's been through the wash, it's but it so looks beautiful, amazing. Man. It's so beautiful. It's basically um, a black t shirt with the Art Mythos logo on it, just in case you're not watching the visual and you're listening on Spotify or Apple. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah it's, it, it's really cool. It's that, like. Yeah. It's really, it's so nice. It's, it's so, so nice. nice. Yeah, you'll see me wearing it. And um, she also got him this keychain that has our Spotify. You know when you like can scan a code for Spotify? It's got that on it. Mm. It's so cool. So I can just whip it out. As and a actually calling works. Card yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, business card. Yeah. Anyway, wonderful present. Yeah. <clears throat> so. Uh, so you didn't ask me what my favorite present Oh my God. <laughs> I'm so bad. I was just sitting here like. <clears throat> um, I, I'm, I'm gonna sip a drink. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm just saying. Oh, so what was the best present you had, Edge? Well, thank you for asking. I mean, You're I welcome. didn't even think you were gonna ask, but. Anywho, so I got, it was also a Secret Santa present, these like Fenty Puma sliders. Damn. So they're like black Fenty Puma sliders with like ones with the one strap, and then they have a gold band across it. And they're fluffy. Mm. Those look comfortable. Yes. Comfortable. So thank you to my secret Santa, who ended up being Solomon. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know. Whoever it was for that person. Yeah, so we hope you guys got great Christmas presents and had a lovely holiday season. Yeah, yeah. Um, Like Dora the Explorer, we're going to pause and let you answer. So what was your present? Oh, oh, that's amazing. Wow, wow. okay. Oh, I want one of those. <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely. That's amazing. Damn. Christmas was really Christmas. <laughs> okay, okay. So this episode, we're going to talk about not one, but two Orishas. Two for the price of one. So this is probably the last episode um, we're going to do focusing on Yoruba Orishas. Um, we just wanted to cleanly wrap it up um, with this fun duo. 
Yeah, so this uh, this episode was actually supposed to be done last month before the new year, but you know, life's busy, Christmas, New Year's, everything. So we're doing it now. That's what it and is. Gonna be yeah. great. So grab a drink. Yeah. So we actually usually like to drink a little something while we podcast, and today we actually made our own cocktails using this amazing ginger syrup from a black-owned business called Root to Ginger. So this is not an ad, um, <laughs> but you should definitely follow them on Instagram and try some of this amazing drink yourself. The visuals is out on YouTube, so you can sort of see us making it. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it's, just go on Instagram. And for, the, spot, um, for the podcast, here's <laughs> here, here some ASMR. <laughs> I tried. This is my ASMR. <laughs> Epic nope, fail. I nearly drowned myself. <laughs> I actually nearly drowned myself for this. Nope. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, once again, grab a drink, settle down or not, if you're like ironing or hoovering, whatever. Just grab a drink and let's dive in. So, mainly for genetic reasons, yes. um, the Yoruba people have the highest dizygotic twinning rates in the world. Yeah. So 4.4% of all um, maternities are twins. Oh, cool. Um, and the high perinatal um, mortality rate, which is problems after birth, yeah. associated with such pregnancies has contributed to the integration of a special twin belief system within the African tradition, um, traditional re- religion of the tribe. Okay. So this is based on the concept of a supreme deity called um, Olodumare and Olorun. You know, we should know them by now. Um, yeah. Who assist? Who assisted by a series of secondary um, gods, which are the Orishas. Yeah. Um, so this is a little recap for those who are just joining us this year. Yeah. That would be nice. But really and truly, you should start from it. Yeah, one. I was going to say, <laughs> it's not like chronological of all cast, but... It all kind of eventually ties together, especially with this mm-hmm. Yoruba Arisha series. So yeah, so yeah. be nice. You know, be nice. <laughs> start again, back at one. Um, so the Yoruba religion also involves um, immortality and reincarn and the reincarnation of the soul. Mm-hmm. You see, yeah. And the belief of reincarnation is linked to ancestor belief. Yeah. Um, it is thought that about two generations after death, every human soul has a chance to return to Earth in the bo- in the body of a newborn. Okay, cool. Mostly within the family. So oh, that's cool. Oh, I get it. Because you know how some people like say, like, "Oh, you act like your like I don't know your great yeah. grandma did." Mm. Like you have the same kind of an old soul. Yeah. Yeah. Or whatever. Mm, okay. yeah. yeah. This is me. Whenever I'm out, I'll be like, I will be back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna come back when things are a bit nicer. This reminds me of Wheel of Time. That is an Amazon series that we watched, yeah. and it's like basically the whole concept of their culture is that they believe that um, if when you die, your soul goes around the Wheel of Time and then eventually comes back at some other, at some point, other point. So they're always like, "Oh, when I come back, I'm gonna do this." So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and hope life is kind of yeah, yeah, time. cool. Great series. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. So in ancient times, yes. the Yoruba used um used to um reject 
and even sacrifice newborn twins. Strangely enough, historical scales were tipped so that twins nowadays are not only well accepted, but welcomed. Um, but their birth is now also an occasion for great rejoicing. And I'll tell you why later. Um, it is believed that twins are able to bestow happiness, health, and prosperity upon the family. Mm -hmm. However, since they can also bring about disaster, diseases, and death, they will be treated with all due respect, loving, and care. The firstborn twin, whether boy or girl, is always called Taiwo, meaning having the first taste of the world. Um, whereas the second name, Kayende, um, meaning um, arriving after the other. Although being born first, Taiwo is considered as the younger twin. His senior, Kayende, is supposed to um, send out his partner to see how the outside world looks like. Yeah. Um, and as soon as Taiwo has given the signal by crying, Kayende will follow. Kayende is supposed to be, you know, more careful, intelligent and more reflective, while Taiwo um, is believed to be more curious and adventurous, but also more nonchalant. Basically, one of them uses the other twin as a tester. But I'm thinking, imagine if the world isn't good and the baby is like, nah, I think I'm going to chill in here. You know, you know, imagine then, if that was an option. Yeah, I reckon it would just be dead. Do you know what I mean? Just yeah, true, true. Like, 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 uh, still I'll, I'll, I'll come out next time. Yeah, yeah. Imagine you just don't want your soul to come out at this yeah. point in time. Yeah. Yeah, that's wild. Anyway, from an anthropological view, mm -hmm. um, some can explain the Ibaji belief um, provides, you know, a means of helping Yoruba people to cope with the emotional and, um, yeah, to cope emotionally with the high prenatal um, loss of twin babies. Yeah. And yeah, and in the legends, it's widely accepted that the Ibuji twins are born from Ocean, goddess of fertility, makes sense, makes and sense. Shango, god of masculine virality. Yep. So, Episodes three and four, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> gotta go back. Gotta go back. So basically, super babies. It's also said that Yamoya, Shango's other wife, yeah. is their adoptive mother because Ocean was too wild to look after them. It makes sense. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and lastly, the word Ibiji itself um, was a um, contraction from two simpler words, Ibi, which means birth, yeah. and Eji, um, which means two. Um, well, two is Meiji, but Meiji, Meiji, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, so basically, <laughs> that is an intro to the Ibiji. Oh, wow. That's, that's cool. Yeah, no, it is. That's, wow, okay. Yeah, I put a lot in there, but with interesting facts for you to know. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, now That's you know. Great. I saw you laughing there a bit. Is it because you I covered... Oh, now you know. Did I cover some of the things that you're going to say? Yeah, so basically, I'm going to be talking about the um, African origins of the Ibiji. Mm. So more cultural aspects of it. Obviously, I have also talked about the... Because it is cultural, the whole Yoruba is given high, birth to a high rate of twins and stuff. So... Mm. We'll be a bit of crossover, but we'll work on that. That's all right, that's um, all right. So yeah. Okay, yeah. I just gonna do a bit now. So now <laughs> I'm gonna go into African origins of the Ibiji. 
strap it in because this is a lot. No, it's not. <laughs> okay. So the Yoruba have, as you said, one of the highest birth rates of twins in the world. Mm-hmm. And the cultural responses to twin births as well as their deaths, you said, are documented in the carving and care of the era Ibiji. So the era Ibiji itself is a more visual manifestation of the twins that was developed in the Yoruba region around the late 18th and early 19th centuries. So think of like a carving, a sculpture type thing. If you actually Google Ibiji, these these things come up. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's customarily believed that an Ibiji child is as powerful when it is dead as it is when it's alive. (laughs) <laughs> so what happens is you know how we spoke about how we said when one twin comes out and they're like mm, the world is and it dies mm-hmm. so when a twin dies what is called an Ifa divination priest will be consulted as well as a sculpture who will be commissioned to carve the sculpture that I mm-hmm. talked about um, and that will function as a memorial to the lost child and also as a ritual point to contact with his or her soul Mm-hmm. So although the sculpture represents an infant, they're typically carved with features associated with peak maturity. So stuff like hair, facial hair, tribal markings, like slender proportions, mm-hmm. like, you know what I so mean? So it's not a sculpture of a baby? Not necessarily. It doesn't look <clears throat> like an actual newborn baby. It looks more like a, not not fully fleshed, maybe like a pre-teen, teen Some of them have boobs. So... Some of them, yeah, look like a bit older, but... Yeah. Is, the important thing is they're not represented as babies or children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. So the sculptures are carved um, as if they were kind of, not carved, sorry. <laughs> Start again. The sculptures are cared for as if they were like live, actual live infants. Mm. So the mother or parents would rub the sculpture with oil. They would wash it. They'd feed it. I don't know how that works. And they would also clothe it. Because okay. um, obviously it represents their dead child. Right. Um, so the European people do worship the Ibiji as a Orisha. And they're all portrayed in these wooden like figures that I've just described. Okay. So these wooden figures in particular represent the actual Ibiji Orisha in the form of two twin children that you've said, you know, Taiwo and Kainde. Kainde, yeah. yeah. I love the name Taiwo, by the way. It's just a nice name. Taiwo, Taiwo, yeah. Taiwo. <laughs> so, yeah, the um, sculptures of the Orishas are usually given um, sacrifices by the parents of the twins until the day the mother can give birth to another baby. So, you know, she's lost one baby and these Orisha sculptures are given sacrifices. So they give sacrifices to the sculptures mm-hmm. until the mom can give birth again. Mm. Um, so the child that she does eventually give birth to is called an Adobu, um, <laughs> often referred to as, I don't speak Yoruba, so help me, <laughs> often referred to as Eshu Lehin Ibeji, which is called the trickster behind the twins, because Adobus are usually very difficult children, apparently. So the child that comes after twins is usually very difficult, which, mm, I mean... That's you. Personally, I'm a child that came after twins that I think got difficult, but, you know... Definitely is. Definitely is. <laughs> so, yeah, so you said that Ibiji children may often influence their parents. Um, did you know that they influence their parents so deeply that they can affect their parents' choice and occupation, especially the mums? So, like, yeah. So... Apparently, when the parents go to something called a fetish priest, not what you think, but I don't know what it's called a fetish priest. Okay. Um, so if their child is sick, one of the twins, they'll go to a fetish priest and the mum has to like, <laughs> 
has to yield to the occupational present preference of her child to help them get better. So whatever the child says, the mum has to work. The mum has to work that job so the child can get better. Damn. But the children are nice in this respect and they often like give the, instead of giving a, like a new occupation to the mum, they'll say, oh, you have to like do hawking or sell palm oil or salt or something like that. Um, so not anything different to watch. They usually do like. So, so the child has an infant. Yeah. Okay, cool. I think the fetish priest translates what the child says. Where, where, who, who, Yes. <laughs> Get on the road. <laughs> So, if the mum fails to accomplish Ibiji's wish, if she doesn't work what they say that she should work, it might result in permanent sickness of the twins and ultimately their death, which obviously is painful to the mum. Yeah. And in some cases, the mother herself might fall sick and die. That is mad. <laughs> that is mad, man. That is mad. So, traditionally, the Yoruba people regard Ibiji's as divine children, you said. Um, they can bring lots of affluence to their family. Apparently, they have this supernatural power where they can easily find money on like the roadside and stuff and give it to their parents. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's great. I mean, can you imagine? <laughs> That sounds like an amazing power. <laughs> so to prevent any bankruptcy or, or indignation or anything bad happening, parents have to give really good care to their Ibiji, to their children mm-hmm. that are twins. Otherwise, you know, bad things will happen. Um, so yeah, the Ibiji Orishas themselves are high-spirited, childlike spirits. They're full of fun. And if they're bored, sometimes they pull pranks on people. Um, that's just them, you know, they're, they're, they're not malicious people or Orishas, sorry, but they're like practical jokers and tricksters, mm. kind of like a Nancy-ish type vibe. Mm. Yeah. You know what it reminds me of? You know the Cramp Twins? Yes! Cramp Twins! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> However, though, you guys, you can't underestimate the Ibiji Orishas because they're actually not children. They're powerful spirits who appear in the guise of children and they mm. have fun playing at being children. They also have a history of healing illnesses and especially mental disorders and rescuing endangered children. Um, mm. So to keep the Ibiji from entertaining themselves and playing tricks on you, you have to keep the atmosphere in your home lively and interesting. So like good food, good conversation, music, entertainment, stuff like that. Okay, so this to entertain them. Yeah, to entertain the Ibiji. Mm, okay. um, yeah. Um, so, fun fact about the Ibiji, mm-hmm. they're often linked to saints Cosmos and Damien, who are patrons, patron saints of physicians. <laughs> that was that was like a tongue twister, patron saint of physicians. So, they're kind of like Loki, you know Loki, the oh, god of mischief. Right, so we're back to yeah. Nancy type. Yeah, you know, Thor's Eshu. brother, yeah. Eshu, cool. mm-hmm. as you said, the trickster god. Um, and also, sometimes they're also likened to Hermes, um, okay. you know, the Olympian god, who mm-hmm. was also a divine trickster. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So just for people who are more, like, in the touch of, like, you know, uh, Marvel and Greek mythology, that's kind of who the Ibiji are. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what type of offerings would you think to give the Ibiji? Ooh, what type of offering? Damn. Um, <laughs> I would give them. Oh, as in, as kids, I'll give them toys. <laughs> well, remember the Ibiji aren't kids, but they kind of manifest in the 
like mentality mm. of kids ish. So they are like kids. So toys is great. Mm-hmm. You would give them toys. You'd give them sweets and fun stuff. Some people even construct doll houses for the Ibiji to give them. Mm-hmm. Um, traditionally, though, the Ibiji like to enjoy sugarcane, fruits, um, yellow rice, okra, anything sweet. That that's what they like. Um, you can even go as far as to puree and cook black-eyed peas and drizzle it with palm oil to give to them. And you can give them fizzy drinks and juice and stuff like that. And another source I read, though, they like beans and vegetables and pumpkin and cake, which is kind of the same vibe. Yeah. So they also like this dish called an ekuru. As a Nigerian Yoruba man, do you know what ekuru is? As a Nigerian Yoruba no, I don't know what ekuru is. What, what is ekuru? So ekuru is similar to moi moi. Um, because both are made from peeled black-eyed peas. Mm-hmm. However, unlike moi moi, ekuru is mixed with pepper and other ingredients before steaming, and it's wrapped up in leaves or tin cans, which is similar to moi moi, and it's steamed, and it's always served with fried pepper stew. Okay, sounds very um, much like moi moi. You can Google it because it's, <laughs> it's actually very much not moi moi, but it's similar. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, to wrap it up, it wouldn't be a great African origin segment without some kind of prayer or something like that. Okay. And, you know, me being me, I found one. Um, so, this is a song. <laughs> I couldn't find any audio, so I actually don't know the tune. She's going to sing for us. Sing! <laughs> I don't know the tune. It's meant to be a prayer. I mean, a prayer song kind of thing. Um let me hear them vocals. There is palm. <laughs> there is palm oil. There are beans. I am not therefore afraid on ye. I am not therefore afraid of giving birth to twins. There is palm oil. There are beans. I shall celebrate. I shall celebrate thy festival with thy God of twins. Be favorable. Be favorable. Tyro, be favorable. Kehinde, be favorable. Be favorable. Be favorable. And that's it. Woo! Yeah. And those are some traditions and origin. Wait, what? <laughs> As Solomon was trying to say, <laughs> that is just a brief um, background. background to the Ibiji and also African origins to the Ibiji. Okay, so next I'll be talking about some origin stories for the Ibiji and all the other good stuff. Okay, so here I am telling you another origin story of the Ibijis. So we're going to start by setting the scene of the backdrop of what it was. So from the northern regions of Yoruba land, a Paticus um, spread regarding the origins of the Ibiji. Mm -hmm. So Paticus um, is like an oral parable um, or sacred story. (laughs) Okay, cool. So just think of it like a parable, but, you know, oral tradition, you know, it's passed down. So the oral literature reminds us that in a small village, a now defunct village, um, an old Oba, which is a king, had no male heirs to inherit his wealth. Mm-hmm. He had many wives and daughters from those wives, but male offsprings eluded him. The senior wife was barren, 
as was the youngest wife. Both knew that conceiving a boy would guarantee their place in the household. So each consulted the diviner for advice on how to conceive a boy. Through the use of Ebo, the two wives became pregnant and produced male children at the same time. But the Orishas was very sympathetic to the younger wife because she was abused by the older wife. Yeah. And so they gave her twins, one male and one female. Even though the rest of Yoruba land regarded um, twins, twin births as evil, the king thought this was a sign of heavenly favor for both he and the youngest wife. So her status in the house was enhanced. She was given dominance over the household. Unfortunately, this love for twin births did not flourish throughout the empire. For quite some time, throughout the majority of the nearby territories, the birth of twins remained as an offence punishable by death. That is very wild. Very, very wild. If you just deep... That's crazy. Yeah. So... Change came to the nation in the 11th century, a change born in the kingdom of the ancient city, Oyo. Mm-hmm. It was about the same time that Shango lived amongst the Yoruba as a man. So it always comes back to Shango. It always comes back. And, you know, when I was looking into it, I realised why the Orisha of Thunder and Lightning was so important. It's because Yoruba land has the second most frequent amount of lightnings and thunder in the world so you know it's pretty important to them um anyway he was an accomplished king the fourth of the city and it was under his reign that peace and greatness were brought to the yoruba nation as a human he had three wives if you want to know more about this go back to was it episode six episode four Episode Sutton of Shango. Shango, warrior, <laughs> king, and city boy. That episode. Yes. Let's go back to that to find out more. Episode Ep- six. Yeah. Is it episode six? <laughs> 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 anyway, um, it happened that his favorite wife, Oshun, gave birth to healthy twins. Shango had been away at war fighting for his nation when they were born. Mm -hmm. So technically, they would have had my Nigerian name, which is Abidemi, which means born when the father wasn't around. So I'm not saying my dad was fighting in a war or anything, uh, (laughs) but that's what their names would have been if they weren't twins. Um, Anyway, Oshun kept one of the two children hidden so um, so that those in the compound wouldn't accuse her of sorcery and put her to death. So being the leader of a growing nation and father to many children by his wives, Shango consulted the oracles and declared that the birth of twins was a herald of prosperity and blessings, a testament to variety of the variety of both parents. So he basically said, my sperm is so good, it made two humans. Right. We have the same 24 hours, yeah. Good spell. <laughs> um, so this this gives um, this gives me um, King Henry the hate. Eight I was actually going to say that earlier when he said yeah. the thing about the wives trying to get a son. I was thinking this is King Henry the Eighth all over. Yeah, but the way I'm talking about it is that because um, if you you know when he asked the church to allow him to, oh divorce, yeah, and then he made it, the Protestant. Yeah, so he made you yeah. know if the laws of the religion don't favor you, change them. Yes, that's what, that's what you got to do. Yeah. 
Um, a little bit of terrible history. <laughs> um, so, love my histories. That's what it was. Horrible histories. My bad. Um, so, because of this, the ancient empire ceased to slaughter the innocent children and their mothers. I mean, they shouldn't have been doing that anyway. But we move all we those do. kids and women killed. That's so bad. sad. Um, yeah, so paying homage to the viral nature of the family from which the twins emerged. So because the Oyo Empire spread amassing land, wealth and prosperity, the national thought regarding twin births changed. Yeah. So another legend born after Shango's ascension tells us that for many months, strange illnesses and diseases began to claim the lives of the wealthier family's children, but not those of the poor. Finally, those wealthy villagers went to a Babalawo um, who consulted Ifa, um, and there with Orimulai, it was decided that the barbaric practice that they did to twin infants after birth was angering Shango, who himself fathered um, twins as both humans and Orisha, which is the Ibaji, mm-hmm. right? Um, so Ibos were marked and made um, to make him settle down, you know, so he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Do all these diseases on them. Yet before they could finish the reading, the Orisha Shango demanded that twins be worshipped, not destroyed. It was also decreed that the mother of the twins would go into the streets once every five days, dancing to honor the Ibaji. Right. The divine spirit of the twins fathered by the mighty Shango. No one. Wait, what's the dad doing? Why is he not dancing in the streets? I, I, I can't, I can't tell you. But it's a good thing, in a way. So, no one who saw the mother's dance would deny them arms, and the imagery would make the family prosper beyond their wildest dreams. So basically, um, they had to give money to the, any woman that you see. So basically, the mom danced in the streets for money? Yes. <laughs> All right. I, I realise how bad that sounds, <laughs> um, but you need to get your mind yeah. guys. Um But yeah, thus was the cult born of the Ibiji. Um Their powers for redistributing wealth became well known. Nice. Yeah, okay. So, okay. Do you understand the full implications of twinning amongst the ancient Yoruba or the significance of twins in and the Ibiji in the religion of modern culture, um, you must understand that they divided their world between two concepts, nature, which is also symbolic of the unseen world, and civilization, which is symbolic of the things that are visible. Twins were primeval, you know, um, they were almost magical in nature. Mm. The human mother had given birth to more than one child, thus, the nature of their child brought some of the otherworldly powers mm. into their own lives. Twins are often self-absorbed. Um, in the early stages of life, they develop their own language and share a unique wildness between yeah. themselves. Um, no matter the type of twin born, identical or fraternal. Fraternal? Fraternal. Yeah. Fraternal. Yeah. Yeah, for Yeah. Okay. Their aura was one of closeness and mis- and mystery. Yeah. The law soon came to say that the spirit indwelling one child 
was so vast, so strong that two minds and bodies had to be created so that it could properly incarnate. Right. So, okay. you know, the yeah. spirit of it is so strong that it had to split into two <laughs> mm-hmm. to come out. Um, and although both grew up and developed separate personality, tastes, dislikes, um, this was not because they had parted spiritually um, as they had physically. Um, it was because one soul, being so infinite, wanted to experience life on many finite levels. Makes sense. Um, when one twin died, the mother would create a shrine for the deceased sibling. Um, unless that one child was honored and propitiated, um, experience taught them that um, the remaining twin would die. Um, the deceased would pull its sibling close to death as it had been in life. So say, you know, come with me to yeah. death because we should always be together, basically. And as time passed, um, the law of twins increased. Um, the cult of the Ibiji grew, you know, because, you know, there's more twins. Um, there's more stories about them. Yeah. The cult grows. So the mother who was blessed enough to have Ibiji, um conceived in the womb, received a special title, Ia Ibiji, mm-hmm. um, and which is literally known for um, the mother who gave birth to two. And her womb was now blessed and spiritually hot. Um, so as you were talking about before, as soon as possible, Ia Ibiji were expected to conceive um, at least one more child. Mm-hmm. Um, so giving birth to that child known as Aidoru. Mm-hmm. Um, the third child um, born of Ia Ibiji. When the youngest of the three, it, while the youngest of the three is said to be the eldest spiritually. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes sense. <laughs> religious law said that the mother who has had twins and fails to have an Aidoru may go mad. Oh. And it is believed that um, that the wild and stubborn Aidoru you, <laughs> um, which is the non-manifested portion of the twin soul, mm-hmm. will fly into her head, driving her insane to be born. Nice. So we calling you Aidoru? No, 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 no. <laughs> be fair, if you just mix up. A I know it's, it sounds it similar, like, like the same Ajuma, as but no. <laughs> okay. Cool. Um. Anyway, so that's all there is to know about the Ibiji, really. Um. Nice. Okay, thank maybe you. not really, but I think there's a great stopping point. Uh, yeah, that was great. Uh, so, quick question: at the at the beginning, you started this story mm-hmm. about this king who had loads of wives but mm-hmm. no sons, yeah. and then one of the youngest wife got um, had a twins, which was one was a girl, one was a boy. Yeah. What happened? They were blessed. Right, okay. But but basically, um, people still looked bad, badly on... That's just things. how it ended. People still yeah, looked yeah, badly, yeah. but... but he, had, he, but he, like, he said that it was a blessing, but everyone else still thought it was a curse. But that's just setting the backdrop of, you know, when it sort of started, the ideology started changing. Yeah. But it was still bad. And then Sean Go came about, and because he was such a um, powerful leader, he was yeah. he managed to change it for okay, a cool. longer time. Great, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. That was lovely, thanks all.
So, the folk tale that I'll be telling you today is an East African legend called Mawe in the Underworld, or Mawe into the Land of the Dead. So yes, we're taking a trip to the underworld. Ooh, okay. All Way down, baby sound. Way down on the ground. Way down. Way down under the ground. This is going to sound so bad. We, we can sing, but we're just trying not to. Yeah, um, we're purposely not singing properly because you know. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Of course. Um, but yeah, that, that that's just a snippet from Hades Town. Great musical. Okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Malway in the land of the dead. Just a quick trigger warning before I start. This episode does contain a very brief mention of suicide. So if that's not something you want to hear, then I'll let you know when to fast forward. Okay. So this is a pretty cool story that has actually been turned into a graphic novel. So if you like the story after I finish telling it, then you can check out the graphic novel if you can find it. It's by someone called Mary P. Corral. Nice. Yeah. So quick note before I start, I got most of my info from the website Gateway Africa. So thank you very much for that. Thank you very much. And so we begin. There was once an African girl named Marwe. So she and her brother were responsible for keeping the monkeys from raiding their family bean fields. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a fun job, but I don't know. Don't know what other jobs were going on at the time. <laughs> and one day after they have been keeping the monkeys away, they both became very thirsty. So they turned their backs and went um, to a pool to take a drink of water. But when they returned to the fields, guess what happened? Monkeys came. Of course, like if you're gonna leave the fields, like one one at a time. Or honestly, something. like what? Damn. So yeah, the monkeys had eaten all the beans, of course, because there was no one there keeping them away. Mm-hmm. So Armin Garmawe felt bad, not just because they had one job and kind of failed it, but because she was also scared of the wrath of her parents. Like she was so scared about what they were gonna say because obviously. This is their livelihood. The monkeys yeah. eat their beans. One job. <laughs> yeah, one job. <laughs> there you go. I'll show you a trick. Wow. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, trigger warning. Skip about 30 seconds now if you want. So, Molly was so scared of the wrath of her parents and what they would say that she drowned herself. Damn, it's not that deep. Like, honest, <laughs> literally. <laughs> uh. It's not that deep. Um, <laughs> oh dear. So yeah, I can't even imagine how scary her parents must have been for her to yeah herself. Like damn, wow, that's a lot. Yeah. Um. So her brother rushed home with the terrible news of her suicide. Like also, where was her brother when this happened? Like, what was he doing? Like. I mean, like drowning, like, do you know what I mean? Did he not see her drown? Like, I'm just like, what? Yeah. So, anyway, her parents were so shocked and grieved upon hearing this terrible news that they even forgot about the bean field anyway. Because obviously oh, they were so sad about um, their daughter that they were like, I mean, I, I don't think you can keep an eye out for a bean field when you're dead. So, back to our girl, Maui. <laughs> So she had sunk into the bottom of the pool until she entered the land of the dead. 
Now, in the land of the dead, she came up to a house where an old woman lived with her children. Mm -hmm. This old woman identified herself as Marway's guide in the land of the dead. So many years had passed and Marway had been living with this old woman, helping her with the chores upon her own accord. Like she wasn't mm -hmm. forced to anything. She mm -hmm. just wanted to help this old woman. And many years is a long time. I'm guessing like five years or something. So understandably, Marway became very homesick and began to think of her parents and her brother. Okay. So the old woman was able to read Marway's heart and she knew that she wished to rejoin the living. I mean, I didn't know this was an option. Like, I didn't know you could be like, mm, I would have told you at first. Like, I didn't know, like, you know, I'm you feeling know, a bit I, homesick. You know, I don't, I don't think it was my plan to be <laughs> here doing chores for the dead. So, if there's an option. <laughs> okay, cool. So, I'm going to ask you, Solomon, a question. Mm -hmm. It might seem a bit random, okay. but yeah. Do you prefer the hot or the cold? No context. I prefer the hot. Okay. So one day, the old woman asked Marway if she preferred the hot or the cold. No, wait. <laughs> wait. <laughs> Honestly, it's fine. Just... Okay, okay, okay. I'll, I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, 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 you're coming with me. <laughs> wait, what do you prefer? You know the story. <laughs> I'm not you. Anyways, <clears throat> I would have put cold anyway, but not because of the story, just because, anyway. So, Marwe didn't understand what the woman said, like, she was like, what? So, the woman repeated the question, do you prefer the hot or the cold? Finally, Marwe answered, and she said that she preferred the cold, not knowing what this meant. So, the old woman had Marway dip her hands into a clay jar of cold water. And when Marway pulled her hands out, they were covered with jewels. She put her feet and legs into the jar as well and poured them out and they were also covered with jewels. So smiling, the old woman dressed Marway in the finest robes and sent her home. No fair. <laughs> no, um, um. Uh, I don't know what would have happened to you, Solomon, but I, you're not going home. <laughs> I said cold. Yeah. You know, um, Rewind. <laughs> in, a, in a different language. I didn't say hot, I said hot. <laughs> which means cold. Yeah. Yeah. So the old woman also had a gift of prophecy. So before Mari went home, she told her that she would soon marry the finest man in the world, a man named Sawaye. So when Mari... I'm all right then. <laughs> So when Marwe arrived home in her fine robes and jewels, her family was overjoyed. They thought she was long dead, so they were so happy to see her. To be honest, I get why they'd be happy, but I'd be freaking out. Can you imagine like a dead relative just walks through your door dressed in jewels and they're alive and you're like, wait, what? I mean... Dead for like ages, not something like, like five years. I heard a guy faked his death to not pay his debts. Wow. So this is different. They saw her drown. They think they saw her drown. <laughs> she just didn't want to get in trouble. She was dead. So no, she was dead. <laughs> so they marveled at her fine clothing and then newfound wealth. And word spread quickly through the countryside that there was a rich, eligible young woman in the territory. And soon Marway's home was visited by hundreds and thousands of suitors. Um, so Marway Bachelor? <laughs> I want to be a rich auntie. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> no, 
man. Are you forgetting the prophecy? That she's going to find a man? Kosawe. She don't need oh no man. <laughs> so Mawe ignored all <laughs> this guy. <laughs> Independent ladies out here. Mawe ignored all the men, including the most handsome of them all. As she should. Except for a man named Sawe. Mm, okay. Yeah. Okay. Do you remember the name Sawe? No. I'm joking. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> he really doesn't remember. It reminds okay. me of you know a handsome um, young man called Solomon. Who's uh, Sawaye? Yeah. Okay. You know the description seems to fit. Yeah, because remember the old woman said that she would marry the finest man in the world, mm. and his name would be Sawaye. Yeah. Mm. Well, my dear, they mm. do say beauty's in the eye of the beholder. And you behold it. Because Sawaye suffered from a terrible skin disease. That Lord have mercy. <laughs> I was set up. I was. This is a setup. This is a setup. <laughs> yeah. So he suffered from a terrible skin disease that made him look ugly. However, since Marwe had been to the land of the dead, she was able to read the hearts of men, and she knew that Sawe was actually the best of all of the men. She saw his heart, not his face. I, I don't accept. <laughs> so Sawe and Marwe got married and had a great feast. And after their wedding night. When the marriage was consummated, Sawaye's skin disease disappeared, showing his face to be the most handsome of all, like the old woman said. Mm-hmm. So it kind of gave me like Beauty and the Beast vibes, you know, like Belle and the Beast, mm-hmm. and then he becomes the prince. Yeah, kind of yeah. like that. So as Mawe had plenty of fine jewels to spare, they had bought a herd of cattle, and soon Mawe and Sawaye were the wealthiest people in the land. Happily ever after. That's it. Not really. So (laughs) you might be thinking now, you know, they're living a good life. They're happy. However, not to forget that there were many suitors of Maui. You know, all the men that she rejected. And they were very envious of Sawaye. I know, right? It's other women. Honestly. But at least I think this one had money. That's why they were especially like... "Mm." Get so, your money up, guys. On top of all of this, twenty-four hours. <laughs> <laughs> guys, like twenty-four hours a day. You live in Beyonce's twenty-four hours. <laughs> so yeah. Um, on top of this, all of their friends and neighbors had also changed. They were now resentful of the wealthy young couple. And I don't know why. Like, but, she died. Like what? She literally died. The host that the hostility grew so bitter that a group of neighbors and the men attacked Sawaye and killed him. Wow. Yeah. I mean, is it ever that deep? Damn. But as we know, our girl Marwe had already died before. She's like, I've been through this before. Like, you know, I'm I'm pro now. Got the t-shirt and everything. And even better, she knew the secrets of the underworld, including how to revive the dead. So she took her husband's body inside their home and recited magic incantations that she'd learned from the old woman, you know, in the land of the dead. And Sawaya revived stronger than ever. And when their enemies returned to divide up the wealth, my thing is, what wealth are they going to divide up? Because Marwe was still alive and it was her money. Do you know what I mean? Like, what? Okay. <laughs> so anyways, when the enemies came back, Sawaye dealt with them all. He killed them. He was like, I'm back. I'm strong. 
So Mawe and Sawe lived in prosperity and happiness for the rest of their lives. And since both of them had died before, they met their final ends without fear. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Why, why, why wasn't he able to stop them the first time? Because he wasn't strong and there was a lot of them. But so, when, so he had to die to be strong? Yeah, because when she brought him back from the dead, he revived stronger than ever. Okay, cool. Like when he died the first time, he was just like an average man. And mm. obviously an average man against like hundreds okay, of people, cool. you're going to die. I came out Hercules. Yeah, he came out. Mm. So, yeah. That's a great gym plan. <laughs> huh? No. Do not try that at home. I'll come back hench. <laughs> you know why. So, obviously, <laughs> where these stories come from, many people believe that there is a realm for the dead and the living. So this is why Marway's family was happy and not scared when they saw her after she had died and come back to life. Mm. Um, and if you're anything like me, I really wanted to know the significance of the cold and hot question because it seemed like such a like random question that had to be significant. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. The old woman. Um, so I literally researched as hard as I could and I couldn't actually find anything of substance, which was annoying. But the main thing I came across was that Marwe chose the cold because she trusted her own wisdom and heart. Another source said that she chose the cold because she was able to look beneath the surface to see value where others did not. So I'm guessing, this is my interpretation, I'm guessing because she was in the underworld and that is normally seen as like a hot, fiery place. And obviously the cold is like the antithesis of this. So therefore... If you're in the underworld, you're less likely to choose something cold because you think hot is like more powerful there. Um, Maybe it's more comfortable. So yeah, so that's probably why. I'm not sure. It's just my you know A level PEE interpretation <laughs> skills, but okay, well, but that's yeah. we think that the cold was something someone would have been less likely to choose, but she chose it anyway, showing her wisdom and everything like that. So. That is basically the end of the story, and I hope you enjoyed it. Like I said, if you did like it, there's a graphic novel about it. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna um, read that or, or watch it. Yeah, very cool, like illustrations and depictions of it. So. That sounds cool. Sounds yeah, cool. and that is Marway and the Underworld. That sounds way really cool. Down underground, way down under town. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, brilliant story. Yeah, that no, that was fun. Um I would definitely love to see that animated. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we yeah. should animate it in yeah. the form of a painting. <laughs> I mean, it's not animated, <laughs> but you know, we will bring it to, to life. life. <gasps> did we so just at the same time? Did we just did we did we what? <sighs> oh my god. <laughs> what is happening? Anyway. <laughs> um, um yeah. So we kind of, oh yeah, we always keep forgetting African proverb of the week. I know. And it's my turn. Okay, cool. Yeah, it better be your turn. <laughs> <laughs> so Adra's going to tell us the African proverb of the week. African proverb of the week. My African proverb of the week is the best way, the best way 
<laughs> it's, it's not that funny, guys. It's, it's really not. <laughs> the best way to eat an elephant in your path is to cut him up into little pieces. You're going to have to say that again because that doesn't make sense. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I, uh, basically, I kept this African proverb. I've kept it for a month and I'm only now just reading it again and it sounds very wild. Okay. It's the best way to eat an elephant. <laughs> wow. Okay, so apparently she can't read anymore. <laughs> so... The African proverb of the week is the best way to eat an elephant. What the hell? <laughs> okay, I'm gonna say it one more time. So, the, <laughs> no, no, wait, it's because you're laughing. Uh, sorry, okay. sorry, sorry. Okay, so the best way to eat an elephant in your path is to cut him up into little pieces. Thank you. Right. Okay, so. <laughs> Wow. So I'm thinking what it means is that the best way to solve a problem is to tackle it bit by bit, one step at a time. So, you know, cut up, cut it up in smaller pieces, um, have a, what's that, smart goal? Or yes. is it, you know, do it in little bits, you know, what's attainable, yep. have metrics to how you know you've reached this milestone um, so that you can tackle something big. You know, everything seems so much more daunting when there when it's a massive task. Um, but if it's cut into smaller pieces, then you can manage it and you can chip away at it. That is great. You know what's funny? Because it's it's like, it's really opposite to... This other proverb, I know it's not an African proverb, yeah. but it's this one where it's like, the best way to <laughs> eat shit, <laughs> if you have to eat shit, you better eat it in a big bit rather than in small uh, chunks. Yuck. It's not to eat shit, but if you have to do something yeah. that you don't like, yeah. you better just do it all in one go rather than doing it in small bits that you hate. Yeah. So, I just so yeah, that's great. Thank you for taking over my Apple Bob of the Week. I don't know why I found that so funny, but apparently... Yeah, if you guys are dying as well just, like I she don't, is, I just don't understand please let us know because, so you know, um, I wonder if it's actually that funny. enjoyable first episode back first episode of the new year um we hope you guys have enjoyed it too yes and if you have enjoyed it guess what spotify has a new rating system and uh, i think you can leave reviews reviews yes you can review us on spotify um you can review us on apple you can review us yeah we're on apple we're on google Podcasts. we're on spotify we're on rss so and now on all of them, especially on Spotify, you can leave a review, like an actual yeah. written review, as well as a rated review, which you couldn't do before. Yeah. So please, everyone who had Spotify that wanted to do it and messaged us saying that they couldn't because Spotify didn't allow that, they do now. So that would be great. Um, yes, and it's also a way for you to leave a nice little comment or yeah. to engage with us on some yeah. of the questions that we're asking so I'm not talking to the wind. Talking to the wind. So, (laughs) 
Um, on that, we actually do have a Twitter page for Art Mythos now, and it is at Art Mythos underscore. Mm. And we would love to know like what folk tales you want us to tell, what like mythological mythological figures you want us to focus on, and stuff like that. So please don't be afraid to DM us and message us even on Instagram at sa.art. Um, yeah, we yeah. would love to let us request, know. Let us like, know. Um, and yeah, if there's any you particularly liked um, that we you know already said, yeah, let us know. Um, yeah, we want. Yeah, to talk like to what's us. your favorite episode? Let us know so we can be on that same wave. Like, <laughs> let's build a community <laughs> of people who are learning about African, African mythology because you know that's the whole point. Like, we love these yeah. stories so much that our whole art is inspired by it. Yeah, and so. what we hope is by episode a hundred, we can say that. We're somewhat experts in this topic. Yeah, you'll we'll see our book out coming out soon. Our book of favorite mythological tales, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. illustrated by us. Like it'll be lit. Yeah. So, guys, yeah, thank you so much, and we really appreciate it. Like honestly, we we're just saying that we wish we could do this every week instead of once a month. Yeah, because that's like because so it's, it's literally so fun. Like I love it. It's so amazing. I actually, yeah, I actually really enjoy reading these stories, and I get excited that I can tell them. If that makes sense. Yes. Like. Yeah, I wish I could do this every week. Like it's yes. so fun. So starting so, in the next episode, we'll be doing, we'll be branching out really. Yes. Yeah, so I think we'll be moving on to our Egyptian tales. I think Egyptian. because right now, currently, we are almost finished our depiction Orifice. of Neph. I, I can never Ooh, say a name. Oh, yes. Nephtitis. Ne- yes, Nephtitis. So yeah, we'll be branching out of Yoruba land. Bye bye, Nigeria. We're flying to other places in Africa now. Mm. And, you know, we hope you can continue with us on this journey. Definitely. So stay tuned to the next episode of Art Mythos. African African mythology mythology told told through art. art. We were your hosts, Solomon Solomon and Adra. Whichever way you want to say it. Thank you. Oh, I said that.